0: Hey there, I'm Michelle Sherrier, and this is the Retail Horror Podcast. Stories and lessons from the life in retail. Hello, hello. Today we have Monica Little. She left her corporate job to pursue her own dreams and built a multiple six figure organic skincare small business. Along with that, she also created Etsy Algorithm Secrets and a product biz academy for those who also are in the product businesses. I heard her speak on a group that we're involved in with Carrie Fitzgerald, and she talked so passionately about social media and people's insecurities and how they are literally almost get in their way, and that's what holds them back because of their... I don't know, insecurities or the fear of failure or whatever it is. And I was like, I need to have you on the podcast. So she is also the host of the Product Biz Podcast. So hopefully you guys will go take a listen there. But we talk a lot about exactly what I just said, people's insecurities about getting on social media. I talk a lot about it um, with my clients that have these amazing stores and there's no presence. And it, it's a lot of it is because they are not comfortable getting on camera. It's, and I, I know what it's like you do a story and you play it back and then you start picking yourself apart and I have a double chin and I, you know whatever it is I've, I, I do it all the time but I have realized in these last couple years especially this last year I really realized that the more i am on camera and the more i am talking to my audience the bigger engagement we have and that i had a light bulb moment when we started doing show me your stores where i am talking about someone's store on a green screen and pointing out you know things i love pointing out what they can work on the engagement is like mind-blowing like i honestly i still am in complete awe of of how much that changed and I will tell you that I you know everyone telling me get out there and do this more and you should do this and I poo-pooed it and I finally did it now and now I get it so today's tool for your toolbox is hopefully to get you out there and to feel more secure and let go of that feel of failure and get out there on your social media so without further ado here is my interview with Monica Little Hi, Monica. Welcome to the Retail Horror Podcast.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to chat with you today.
0: I'm really excited. I had a backstory, so everyone knows, is I am part of an um, entrepreneur group that Carrie Fitzgerald ha- has put on. She, she has been on the podcast in the past. You were one of the speakers. You were the speaker last week. And as I'm listening to you talk about it, I just kept thinking, okay, this is like somebody that the retailers need to hear from you it's social media based but you talked more to the psychology of it versus the analytical
1: yes because I really feel like with social media in particular, I mean, we know what to do. That's the thing, right? People know the strategies. People know to show up. People know that they need to post more frequently and be consistent. But at the end of the day, there's something like underneath the surface in terms of why people aren't actually showing up. And usually that comes down to some sort of fear, right? The fear of being judged or the fear of going all in or the fear of, you know, what is required of me for me to actually have this work. So that's why I love with with all of my clients, no matter what topic it is, I always love to dive into some of those like beliefs and stories and fears underneath the surface. Because really, unless you uncover those and kind of dismantle them, you'll be stuck in the same spot with a ton of great strategies, but potentially still stuck in the same spot because you're not actually implementing it. So super, super glad that um, you enjoyed that presentation and super happy to chat more about it here today with your listeners.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I, I, well, I'm going to get into, I want to have you explain to but it was funny. It was like when you were talking and a lot of it is, you know, everyone overcoming the fear of just stepping out and just getting onto stories. And I'm like, I got over that fear so long ago. Like, I, I feel like, but I know a lot of people have not. And I know go, I, I, I was going, this started because I was going live during the pandemic and since we i was like hey you know i got back to business and work and then it was like okay let's start a podcast i haven't gone live i think i've gone live once since and now i'm finding myself frozen that's why i was like listening to this so so tell everyone a little bit about yourself and um what brought you to this part of um the the education i guess
1: Yeah, good, good question. I'll give the little cliff notes. Um, so essentially a few years ago, I'd say maybe about four years ago, I started to run my own small business called Plant-Based Beauty. It's organic skincare small business. At that point in time, I was working full-time, um, had been in the corporate world for about eight years, but I knew that I was meant to do something different. I knew that I was meant for more other than going into an office, working from, you know, 9 a.m. to six or 7 p.m., Monday through Friday, living for the weekends, right? So when I started to experiment with all-natural skincare, I started to share about it on Instagram. I put it up on Etsy. People started to buy it. And I was like, oh, okay, like this actually has, has something behind it, right? Ended up really committing to it and ended up leaving my full-time job shortly after because it was just too much to juggle both a small business and working full-time. Ended up running Plant-Based Beauty for about four years, and along the way, I actually owned three retail stores, co-owned three retail stores with a business partner of mine in Chicago, and in the last year or so, I've really pivoted to focus on educating and being a coach and helping people to grow their businesses because from working with so many small business owners when I was a co-owner of a retail store, I heard what people struggle with, where they were really hitting walls, um, where they needed help and i was like man a lot of those things that people need help is a lot of the stuff underneath the surface and i've done a lot of work on like personal development and overcoming these fears i can help them with that but also then the flip side is the strategy where a lot of people struggle with like how to grow a business how to grow a following how to how to really get more sales get more customers whatever it may be so I took a little bit of my natural, I would say, I don't know about expertise, but naturally I've always been drawn to those topics and have really worked on those topics myself with with my own self and with my business and was like, all right, people need this type of help. So let me transition to being a coach um, and have been doing this for about a year now with helping people to grow and scale their handmade product business.
0: So you you not only do the coach, you also have a podcast and you talk about products and you also you, you have the journal that we just talked about that I'm obsessed with now that I I can't wait to talk about that. Cause that's, it's a little bit of a side, sideway thing. it's like, I I always say everyone's got side hustles and it's like, you know, you have several hustles, Um, but the gratitude journal, I think is a great addition. And I feel like, you know, especially within the world of um, the psychology of what we all do, I feel like the gratitude is, is still a piece of that puzzle.
1: Yes, 100%. So that's actually where I am right now. I've been in the process of closing plant-based beauty. I've done that for about four years, Um, grew it to multiple six figures, had a great time with it, but I really felt like that was my stepping stone to learn how to grow a product business. And then I was meant to educate and coach and help people. So with closing plant-based beauty down, I still wanted to have like some sort of physical product because I also do believe in really practicing what I preach and teaching people things, but also walk in the talk, right? Um, So I, in the last six months or so, came out with a two-month daily planner and gratitude journal specifically for business owners. So this kind of comes into the psychology conversation too, because a lot of it is, is really focusing on like the top three things that you want to work on instead of like a million things that people kind of have shiny object syndrome, but also the gratitude and writing down on a daily basis all the great things that happen. So then every day you're actually noticing it. And every week, if you look back, you're like, wow, like I had a couple sales here and this person reached out to me and this store reached out to me and this post had great engagement. So when you really start to keep track of those things, in terms of productivity and what you need to get done to make progress, but also gratitude, abundance, what you're grateful for, um, all the amazing things happen. Those two sides of things I feel like are equally as important. And people usually either are really on one side or the other. So I wanted to create a journal that brings about both. So yeah, that's my two month uh, planner and mindset journal that I've just recently launched.
0: I had asked you off camera, like two months, What? why two months? And then, you know, for those that because this is on YouTube. To go ahead and hold up the journal because it is a hefty little two month journal.
1: Yes. So it's 264 pages, I believe. <laughs> so you had asked, like, why not 12 months? I'm like, well, it would be kind of big, but it's because there are four pages per day. There's also a habit tracker, there's a calendar, there's a manifestation list to write down everything you're manifesting. There's a project breakdown couple pages to really help you get all of your ideas on paper. So essentially from being a coach for the last year, I've really started to pinpoint what people are struggling with and how can I condense it into a physical journal. And myself, I was doing all of these things across multiple journals. I had a habit tracker, I had a to-do list, I was journaling every morning. And I'm like, well, for me, I would love to have this all in one place too. So a little bit kind of like a selfish thing that I made, but so many people have been using it and I've gotten so much great feedback. Um, So it's been good to just help people in in that capacity too.
0: I know I have like three or four journals going. It's like what the, but Anna, what I do like, and what I just now thought about too, is that with it being only two months, it keeps you very present versus like skipping ahead to like, you know, for me, for my work calendar, I do everything pen and paper. Like that's just because I'm old school and I need to be able to see it all in one. And I do. I'm booked out for my main job. I'm booked out till like we're booked out now till December. So I have to flip ahead. But I feel like that does not keep me in the present moment because I'm constantly the carrot is further down the line. And I I do love the fact that it's a two month because it keeps you very present and you're not able to skip ahead.
1: Yeah, 100%. And sometimes I feel like whenever I have a 12 month one, you know, I'll actually be present in it for about two months, and then I kind of throw it to the side, right? So I feel like it's kind of like that perfect. Specifically, yeah, I mean, if there are longer term commitments, then that is a little bit of a drawback. But I do feel like entrepreneurs and small business owners, for the most part, we are kind of more on like the quick twitch what's happening in the next couple of months and making sure we're making progress right here right now.
0: Quick twitch. I like that. So let's get into the down and dirty of what you teach in the psychology. Your, you, What you focused on the other day was Instagram. Um, I think that's mostly what people are on. Although I will say Facebook does seem like it's having a resurgence. And now that Facebook has Reels, even Gary um, Gary V has said Facebook Reels is the most underutilized tool now, which I was like, wow, because I can't stand Facebook. I'll be honest. like It, it feels super old to me. But you know, when Gary Vee says something like that, that it's an underage, underutilized tool. It's like, well, you know, maybe I got to look at it again. But you, mostly what you talked about was Instagram. So talk a little bit about like, where do we start? if If I'm a business owner, and I am not that comfortable on social media, and I'm kind of doing posts here and there, I'm not that regular, where do I start?
1: Yeah. Really good question. So one of the first things that I love to talk with people about in terms of like truly showing up on Instagram is, or any social media, right? It can be TikTok, Facebook, it can be a podcast, it can be YouTube, any place in terms of where you're kind of showing up more than we do in our day-to-day life, especially with our own business when it's like our brand, our love, our passion. One thing I love to just level set with people off the, off the bat is understanding How they feel in terms of when they do show up. So, are they only talking about their business, their products, their store every once in a while? Are they afraid that it's like boring to talk about their products or it's redundant to talk about them? Do they feel like they're bothering people? That's what I hear so much that people don't want to talk about their products or what they're selling because they feel like they're bothering others and they feel like they're having to like convince people to buy. Right. So a lot of people are like, I'd rather just not talk about my product products. I'd rather keep the peace. I don't want to bother anyone. I don't want to convince anyone. I don't want to be boring or redundant. So it's all these fears of just showing up and selling in the first place. So I really like to work with people just to understand what they view selling as. And I love to ask people like, how do you define selling? And people say convincing. People say um, really like persuading people to buy. But what I love to tell people is that selling is literally a service because every single one of our products, no matter what we're selling, if it's in a retail store or if it's our own business, whatever it may be, Every single one of our products in some capacity or another is solving a problem. So a lot of people, if they're hesitant to show up on social media and hesitant to talk about their products and sell their products, basically they're allowing their customers to stay in that problem while they like hoard the solution, right? And I think sometimes people struggle with this because when we're selling things like jewelry or candles or skincare, it may not feel like we're solving a problem So that's one of the main things that I love people to say. Number one, how do you define selling? Number two, what problem are you solving? Because when the person who sells jewelry starts to realize like, yeah, I'm solving a problem of confidence. Like Mm -hmm. put on these earrings and look how much more confident you feel. Or maybe it's gold filled that you can wear it in the shower. So if you're a busy mom, you don't have to worry about taking off your jewelry and you can feel confident with your bracelet, but you can keep it on when you shower. So it's like best of both worlds, right? Or in terms of candles, if it's, you know, winding down at night or just helping someone to relax, I mean, that's solving a problem. So when people start to really understand what problem they're solving, I think then they start to come to the realization that, okay, I'm not talking about my products just to sell them. I'm talking about my products because I'm serving people. I'm helping them with confidence. I'm helping them to wind down. I'm helping them with you know skincare that doesn't have all the chemicals in it that's better for them. So truly understanding the problem that's being solved. And I gave this analogy in in the call that you were on of imagine someone is like in a lake or something or in a pool and they're obviously struggling to swim and you have a life jacket. Would you be like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to bother that person. I don't <laughs> want to, you know, I, I don't want to intrude. I don't want to bother them. Or would you say, hey, I have a solution to your problem. It looks like you're struggling. I have a life jacket. Do you want this?
0: Yeah, that's a great as, example.
1: Yeah. And as soon as people start to really shift their perspective on that, then that changes for them to show up without feeling like, oh, my gosh, I'm bothering people. So that's something I would love for the person listening or watching right now is to take the time to really journal on what problem do I solve? And every single product, even if it's like a leisurely product, no matter what it is, we're solving a problem and we're helping people. And coming from that energy makes selling A little bit easier. I mean, there still might be some roadblocks, but at least that's like step one of know that and overcome that. And that's on your way to being able able to show up more authentically on social media.
0: I was really surprised because you had the chat is how everyone was communicating with you. And I was really surprised to see how many people were, I'm bugging them, were shoving it down their throat. I'm like, you know, and even it's funny because I never really think that when I see, um, Ads like even like because I'm buying things off the ads that are coming up. It's like it, it's literally being shoved down my throat. But for some reason, I don't think about that. I'm like, oh, I love that. I I think I need that. It's like I never think about that. But I guess I'm not selling anything. I don't really go out selling my services, even though that's how ninety percent of my business is coming to me now is through Instagram. But I guess I don't really think about like I'm trying to sell something, so I'm in someone's face, but. I never really would have thought about that as, as a retailer selling product. Cause it's, that's what you're doing. That's your whole business. Like I, I, I was surprised to hear that answer because that literally is your whole business is selling
1: hundred percent. And then you think about people who say they're not getting the sales that they want. And then when you ask them, well, how, how often are you talking about your products? And they say, well, you know, how often are you promoting your store? How often are you telling people to come on in? Right. And showing them what you have to offer. And then a lot of people are like, well, I only, you know, mention it once, maybe twice a week. (laughs) And it's like, well, there's a little bit of a correlation there, right? If you're not talking about your products, um, then people don't know about them, don't know the benefits, don't know what problem it's going to solve for them. So, of course, they're not going to just stumble upon and go to your website without that initially there. But I think where people struggle is the redundancy because obviously we have to talk about our products pretty frequently. And to us, it's like, all right, I'm talking about this again. Right. I've got this product. I'm talking about it again. (laughs) Kind of feels like I'm starting to bother people like I'm saying it over and over But I like to tell people, you know, there used to be the statistic that you would have to see something seven times before you buy. But Mm. nowadays, it's like 25 times. People literally need to see something 25 times for it to kind of be ingrained in their subconscious, for them to see it and be reminded of it enough to actually purchase. So So unless you've talked about that one individual product 25 times in the last like month and a half, then you're not bothering people because it's not even registering with them, right? People are so spaced out with notifications and multitasking and doing a billion things that we have to be redundant and we have to talk about our products often. And again, if we're just focusing on the problem that we're solving and giving that person that life jacket, well, who cares if I'm being redundant, right? Let me give it to all the people that need the life jacket. I don't care if it's being redundant or too frequent or whatever it may be.
0: Do you think um, because I run into this a lot is like when you're doing your post, yes, stories are instant gratification and posts live there forever. Do you you have a different strategy for posts that are living on your feed versus stories?
1: Ooh, good question. How I like to teach Instagram um, stories is where I encourage people to sell a little bit more. While your feed is maybe more like educational and really show that you're like the expert or you're the go to place for whatever you're selling, right? So if I think about it in like a retail capacity, your feed should be very educational in terms of the products that you have, what are the benefits, why do people need this, um, what's in it for them, what are the different items you have, the different categories, the different displays, really let them like see the entire retail experience from the feed and from the phone. And then on your stories, it's more of talking potentially about like individual products, selling those products, sharing customer testimonials, how people love your pro- the products that you sell. Um, and you can educate also in the stories. But I like Instagram stories and how I teach this to people is to show your face a lot more on your Instagram stories and actually be talking and yeah. sharing about your products there.
0: That's one thing it's like, uh, you know... During the pandemic, I I've, i know everyone listening to this has heard me say this a thousand times, but the one thing the pandemic did was force people out of their comfort zone. And those who fought it and were like, no, 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 I don't do it. I'm not comfortable, have literally dropped off the face. And those retailers who have pivoted, who have become very comfortable, I always use um, my friends from Kingfisher, Um, They have a store that's just a mother daughter combination. They literally were going live like 10 days into the pandemic and they still are doing it. It's great. It's, it's amazing to see that 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 simple pivot and tool they're consistently still doing it. And I think that, that, that it's the one thing with the pandemic that like literally was like, you need to show up. And also because no one could see who was behind the brand and all of a sudden it was like, here I am. And now I feel like that's the most important thing. You said something just now. And I, I remember asking you in the notes that I thought was brilliant as far as, as far as show, so showing up in stories, because even I get like, I'm talking about projects I'm doing and we're talking about what podcast is coming up. And then it's like, it ends up being just like blah, blah, blah. And you had said showing people's, um, DMs, um, uh, uh, Am I drawing a blank right now? Reviews, like all of that, showing that. And I love the whole green screen now is like, you can show the review and talk about it. And I'd asked you, do you feel like you need to ask the person that sent it to you? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people will have this this answer. So for those who are listening, like you have great DMs, like people are sending you emails and DMs and they love your product and they sent you this amazing review. They're scared to share somebody else's information. How do they deal with it? And how do they become comfortable with that?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question.
0: Hi, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Now for a message from today's sponsor. Guys, so many of you over the course of the last couple years have sent me DMs or emails asking me for any other podcasts that I suggest or are there any videos that I know of or any merchandising books. So we finally created MC Design Academy. It is a YouTube channel that I am doing displays and breaking them down step by step with real levels of inventory to help you and inspire you to create new displays they are short bite-sized lessons you can watch one or you can watch the whole entire episode to do your display but my hope is that it brings you inspiration it kind of gives you another couple of ideas of how to do things and best of all it's like having me in your back pocket helping you do merchandising and display right alongside of you so go to the youtube page for mc design academy and click subscribe and let me know what you guys think now
1: back to our episode So I love to use DMs, reviews, emails, anything that you mentioned as social proof to basically show others, like look at how these other people that are loving the products, loving the store, loving what they got. So I really use that in terms of celebration. I love to just share about it and be like, look at what people are loving and raving about this product. And in terms of, you know, if people DM you or email you and their name is there or their username is there, there's a couple things that you can do because it's such good content to share because we don't realize how much, again, like psychologically, social proof moves people to do stuff. They oh. start to have FOMO. They start to say, oh, my God, this person loved it. I need to go there. I need to add it to my list. I need to stop by here. I need to get this. Um, So using this is is super impactful, but you can easily go around like the privacy concerns in terms of number one. If someone DMs you saying, oh, my gosh, loved your store, just got this, love it so much. And you want to share that on your Instagram stories. You can ask that person very easily, like, do you mind if I share this? And most people, since it's a positive review, positive DM, they're going to be like, sure, I love the store, you know, share all you want. Or on the flip side, if you're like, all right, I don't feel like asking every single person, is it okay if I use this? You can take a screenshot, but just like cross out their name or crop it out. So it's still that privacy for them that, you know, their name and username isn't being shown, but then you're also being able to just showcase that people are loving what they're buying. And this is such a great way, such an underutilized concept that so many people have at their fingertips because we all have DMs, questions, uh, reviews, testimonials, um, anything like that. Even even when I used to co-own a couple of retail stores with my business partner, we would take a quick story of all the people in the store like that's social proof. People looking at all the, um, all the different items on the shelves and really showing like, yeah, there's a bunch of people in our store. You got to come over and check, check what's coming out. Um, all these people are loving it. You're going to love it too type of thing. So I think using, um, all of that to your benefits, of course, being cognizant of any privacy that, that may be needed to be had, but super easy ways either to ask for it or to work around it that it's not, you know, violating any, any privacy, but such an easy way to just build excitement from what other people are sharing with you?
0: Well, for sure. The FOMO thing, for sure. Yeah. I feel like that is like one of those things where people are like, I need that. I mean, God knows that's the reason why I buy half the crap I do on
1: Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: What did your retail store sell, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Yeah. So this is actually a pandemic story. So I was running my skincare business. I left my full-time job in January, three months before the pandemic hit, right? So I left my full-time job, super excited to go all in with my small business to see what I could do. And then the pandemic hit. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Wow. A lot of small businesses, I was living in Chicago at the time. A lot of small businesses really relied on markets and that's what I was doing, like going to markets every weekend, setting up my tent, selling my items, but all of those got shut down. My business partner who I ended up meeting that year, she was a massage therapist, so lost her job overnight and she started just to make and sell candles and we got together one. One day, it was um, September of of the year that COVID started. I don't even remember what year that is. And she was like, hey, I found this empty like 500-square-foot retail space. They have an opportunity just for a holiday pop-up, October, November, December. And I was like, oh, my gosh, let's do it. Let's put some shelves. Let's get a ton of Chicago small businesses to have their products in there because we're all kind of hurting right now without any markets. It's holiday season. We're having a little bit of a harder time to get our products products um, out there. So we ended up having 30 small businesses in our store for those three months. It went so well that we ended up getting a permanent store for about a year. Um, And then the following holiday season, um, during that one year, we ended up opening up two more stores. So at one point in time, we had three stores. But yeah, overall, we had 100 local Chicago small businesses across those three stores. Um, And it was just a way to kind of help out the small business community because, COVID was a uh, crazy, like you said, you really had to pivot and figure out what to do. Otherwise you're, you know, you wouldn't be here today. So that's, okay. that's what we did.
0: Not to, not to <laughs> turn this into the retail store for you, but now I have a hundred questions about yeah. your retail sales with all those. Cause I I've said this tomorrow, by the time this comes out, the roaming travelers episode will have po- posted and these, this is a husband and wife couple that took a space that saw a lot of makers in Joshua Tree that didn't have spaces that were showing up at market. They created this, this space for everybody, but they curated it. So it doesn't look like a garage sale because that was my first question. It's like, how does it look so good? Because it's so cohesive and it's so fluid. It looks like a buyer is doing the curation for it. How do you take 30 to 100 makers? Are they doing their display? Are you doing their display? How does it not look like
1: a garage sale? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. i also <laughs> share some photos so you could see what it was like. Um, so we had a really simple concept because we were like super scrappy with it. We weren't retail store owners. We had no idea what we were doing. But we essentially put up a bunch of shelves. They were about 6 feet. Feet by like 12 inches or something like that. And we had them all over the store. And then we had a big table in the middle. And essentially every single small business had their own six foot shelf. So everything was white in the store. The shelves were white. The table was like a dark wood. And then it actually looked really nice because everyone's products would then pop. So we would have one wall that would be all jewelry, but it would be three to four different small businesses with their own shelves. But it was cohesive that it was all jewelry. And then we had like skincare and candles and then we had like winter hats and things like that we had stickers and greeting cards so we did um curate things in terms of category so it would flow That's great. but then essentially every single small business had a little bit of their own um creativity to create their display we were just pretty big sticklers in terms of like no signs or anything like that, that would kind Thank of give off the vibe. Um, yeah. <laughs> things like that. But it's, I mean, we were surprised at how good it looked, but I think a big part of it was the white shelving, the white walls and then the pops of color with the product. So people were just drawn to the sections that they wanted to, but also the area was small enough that people could do a full loop around it and see everything. So that definitely helped, but, but yeah, it ended up looking super cohesive. Um, we were kind of worried about that too, but it ended up working out just fine.
0: Yeah, I'm a retail consultant. And that's like my backgrounds anthropology. So it's like, I'm oh, one of the yeah. like super like, it needs to be cohesive, it needs to tell a story, it needs yeah. to be somewhat curated. So I always wonder stuff like that. How did you ring everybody up?
1: Well, we um, the small business community in Chicago is very close-knit. And as you start to do markets and even on social media, I mean, everyone follows everyone. So we did a lot on social media with the store. um, And we would get people who would literally reach out to us and be like, hey, do you have a spot? Can we join? We heard from so-and-so. So filling the spots was super, super easy. And then in order to get customers in, I mean, we were going live almost every single day on Instagram showing the store talking about every single product highlighting the makers telling the story of every single one and I think the people following us at that point in time really resonated one because COVID was happening Two, they knew small businesses were hurting three they recognized that this entire store was all Chicago small businesses so they came and did all their holiday shopping because they wanted to support so we went like Our entire business was Instagram and super scrappy PR, reaching out to news people in Chicago, having them come and do segments about it, um, which I think flows well with the conversation today of just like you got to show up, right? I mean, if. it comes down to how bad do you want it to work? And I think a lot of people are maybe a little bit conditional. Like, yeah, I want it to work as long as it's not too hard and I don't have to go outside of my comfort zone and yeah. I can kind of do what's easy. But we were like, we're going to do whatever it takes for this to work. We're going to show up on Instagram every day. We're going to reach out to news people. We're going to post on social media. We're going to be as scrappy as we can. Um, And we ended up having an awesome, awesome time with all the small businesses in the store.
0: What um when you go live, when you guys are going live, because I think a lot of people, I mean, I said it to you, I don't know if I was off camera or still on camera, when he, this podcast started with lives, and it was just conversations with other retailers of what are you doing? How are you pivoting? Like, what, you know, whatever. And since we're an actual podcast now, I've gone back to my main job, like, as a merchandiser day in, day out. I think I've gone live once. Like, I have not. And I I it's so funny because exactly what you're saying. Like I, I have this, like, I don't know if it's a fear or like, what am I going to talk about? That's I'm not already talking about on stories. So tell people because that honestly, it's like live is going to live on your feed. Stories is going to disappear in 24 hours. So what is the benefit and why should people go live other than the obvious? Mm-hmm. Um and, and why should I not be caring comparing it to stories? <laughs> yeah.
1: This is such a good question. So how I think of lives is just obviously they're a lot longer, right? With your stories, it's pretty quick and you kind of got to be to the point in terms of what you want to talk about. But lives are really where you can go in much more detail. So I'm totally fine with if like the topics are the same, right? But on your stories, if you do maybe one, two or three quick videos, that's three minute max. But if you want to go into a lot more detail and truly educate people or truly take them around the store or truly tell them the story of this business that's in the store, what their background is, what they make, et cetera. That's such a perfect place for a live because, You can be on for 30 minutes, right? Or 20 minutes or 15 minutes. And then the people who are really interested, they have the capability right there to dive so much deeper with you. So I like to think of stories. It's the quick things. It's the selling. It's the social proof. It's excitement, the celebration. And then anything on the feed is is a lot more educational, a lot more in detail, um, a lot more just content there for people to continue to see you as expert, the go-to, the store they want to stop by. Um, And get more of like the full vibe of it. So concepts and topics can totally be the same. But it's just depth, I think, differs Mm -hmm. between stories versus lives.
0: I have asked this because we've had a couple of social media people on. And Crystal Media, who's really well known, she is an educator for retailers for social media. And I had said to her with live, I feel like you need a moderator where Mm -hmm. because there's I always refer to these ladies, God love them, but there's a couple, there's a a store that's here in California. It's on Fairfax and it's, um, I think it's catwalk Fairfax and they sell the most insane vintage pieces, Prada, Gucci, Chanel, like old rocker tees from like the seventies, eighties, whatever. I mean, like amazing collections that are all now being re reintrodu- reintroduced, especially now with the sustainability part of it, but watching them go live, it is such a shit show. It's hilarious because you know, they're, they're my age or older. And they're on camera, and they don't have a moderator reading like the questions. And they're like, "What's that say?" Oh, you know. <laughs> and I'm dying because I think it's so hilarious. But do you, do you suggest having a moderator? And are they on their own phone watching your feed, watching um, questions come up, or are they on your feed with your phone watching yeah. questions come up?
1: Ooh, this is good. So I think it comes down to the vibe that you want to give off. So. When we were running our three retail stores, we were like super scrappy and people knew it and we were like trying to make something work and everyone knew us as two small business owners that were bringing a collective of small business owners together and making something happen. So everything that we did was super scrappy. So we didn't necessarily have a moderator and I probably was the person like putting my head up pretty close. So in that case, like for me, it's probably like I should be wearing my glasses when I do that stuff so I can actually read the comments, right? Um, but I think it totally depends on what vibe you want to give off if you are like the small town retail store then I think it's totally okay to be super authentic and not have the moderator but if you are a very high-end jewelry store that's selling like super expensive gold and and diamonds or whatever it may be well then you want to be a little bit more polished just to truly match that right so I don't think there's a right or a wrong I think it just depends who is your audience and what type of content do they want to see but I I think it's totally okay to be authentic and totally okay for things not to always be polished, if that goes with your vibe, right? Um, I'm a big fan of just making taking messy action and learning from it, and I'd rather have people take that messy action and engage with their customers instead of potentially being like, "Oh my gosh, it's not it's not perfect enough. I don't have the right lighting just yet, and the sun is over here, but I want it over here, and now now I don't look good." so I think, I think it totally depends, but I, you know, how I've ran all my business is honestly flying by the seat of my pants. But for me, I feel like I learned so much more. I learn so much faster. I start to polish those skills in terms of public speaking and selling and marketing. Um, and I would rather have those connections with my customers and followers sooner than potentially, you know, putting it on hold. But again, I think it depends on the vibe. If it's like a polished store. Yeah. moderators great. Have someone there to have it on their phone to like read a question to you, right, and interject and be like, "Oh, we just got a question." Um, but for me personally, and my business partner, we would just be reading them and commenting and having that connection with the live viewer right at that point in time.
0: Well, I think you nailed it with the authentic part because I think that the reason why, and I think a lot of people forget this, is the reason why people are coming to your store and buying from you is because they like you, or that, or because they saw you on. On your stories or because it's not always the product because let's face it, we're, you know, it's not a liver transplant, it's it's retail, it's like candles and bath products. And I think that really, the owner and and whoever the manager is the, is the face of the brand. And I feel like that's who they want to connect with. And when they come in the store, it's like, there's this instant connection. They feel like they know you, you have no idea most of the time who is, but they feel like they know you. And I think that that is so important. And I've, you know, I have clients that I, I'm like, you need to get on Instagram more. You need to, cause literally like I think 90% of my business now is coming from Instagram and it's coming from people that are seeing me talk about retail and what I'm doing and the merchandising and tips that I have for retailers and people are reaching out. And now it's like, I don't need to go to someone's store. Now I can do this on a zoom call and I can do this, you know, look at your floor and kind of tell you like, okay, I'd move this or that, but it's because it's me. And, And it's like, they're comfortable reaching out like, Hey, I saw you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think that retailers, forget that and I think everyone gets hung up in their head of like I don't like you said I, the lighting's not right or I don't look right or I don't have makeup and it's like okay people if I can tell you anything right now from having this podcast like I do not have makeup on I, I have guests and I look at the guests and everyone's like made up and they have this beautiful <laughs> blouse on and they have this perfect background and I'm like oh my god I, I need to step it up but this is me and this is This is who I am and this is who I feel like people connect with. And that's what retailers have to remember is like, it's you they want to get to know and your product.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you 100% in terms of like, they want to know the person who's actually running the store. And we would have that same exact situation. We would have people come into the store and be like, grinning so happy to see us because they just knew. It's hilarious. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. But the other thing is one thing that we did because we ended up having employees who were running some of the stores too, because it was just two of us, right? And three stores, obviously we couldn't do all of it. But we, every single time, either us or our employee, we would ask the person walking in, how did you hear about us? And almost, I would say- 80. Okay. Let's think about it. I would say 50% of the time it was Instagram. We follow you on Instagram. We follow one of the small businesses who's on Instagram that tagged you. Um, We somehow stumbled across your Instagram. The other 20% was maybe from us really being scrappy and getting on the news. People would see us on the news. And then some people would just randomly search on Google and they would find us because we had like a pretty SEO friendly name of our store. But We would ask people every single time. And the amount of people who came in from social media, that just shows the power of it, right? But you have to do those things. You have to show up. You have to actually show your face. Even if you're selling products from other businesses and you may not be making them, you have to be that brand and, and the person that people are connecting with on behalf of every single brand that's in your store and really educating your followers. But man, if you start to ask people, hey, how'd you hear about us? Hey, what brought you in today? And they start to say, Instagram, and then you start to notice, like, wow, this actually works. People yeah. are actually watching and coming in, and and excited to come in from what I'm sharing on Instagram.
0: Now with uh, now that Facebook is doing lives and is doing um, reels, like, do you are you seeing that kind of traction with Facebook now, or is it still because it's a two very different generation? My generation, it's like my mom is the Facebook generation, and you know myself and like everybody your age, it's like Instagram, TikTok.
1: Yeah. You know, this is this is a tough one because I'm not on TikTok. I don't do too much on Facebook other than like cross promoting what I have on Instagram. I mostly am on Instagram and what I tell people and this may change in a few years. There there's a couple different, you know, themes that come up, but I tell people go all in with one platform because if you're trying to be the person on TikTok and you're trying to be the person on Instagram and you're trying to be the person on the podcast and you're trying to be the person on Facebook and you're trying to be the person on YouTube, you can do all those things probably if you have like a team, right? But I would rather have someone go all in on one platform and do it exceptionally well instead of doing a mediocre job across six different platforms. So for me personally, I haven't even downloaded TikTok for that reason because I know with my My business where I am right now, I'm pretty much at capacity with really nourishing my Instagram audience and also running my podcast. For me, I'm like, I I physically right now don't have the brain capacity to even think about a TikTok strategy. Oh girl,
0: TikTok forget it. Ask Carrie about that one. It's like, oh my God. (laughs) I mean, I know it's super valuable. I just I I just don't get it. I can't. So what is what is what would you say is the magic number. For people to be going on stories and for posts.
1: Ooh, like how often they should do it?
0: Yeah, like how often? Like you know, uh, you know, is, is there like a, you know, for for the feed? Is it like you know? For I had a virtual assistant for a while. I was trying it out, and it was like only for myself because I had to put out content a month in advance, and it was like I had needed some kind of like boundary. So it was Monday merchandising, Tuesday tips, Wednesday something, Thursday but So at least I had boundaries and i had some kind of like map of what so i wasn't just because i now i just literally four in the morning scroll through my photos Mm -hmm. and pick something and do that for a post but so for for the feed but for for stories like i feel like you need to show up every day like Mm -hmm. do you need to show up every hour every like you know what There's somewhere there's got to be some kind of, you know, quote, formula that that you're consistent enough for those who are nervous about doing this.
1: Yes, so I like this is what this is the guidelines that I follow and what I tell my clients too. I do like to post on the feed like Monday through Friday once per day. Um, Weekends, I'm a big fan of taking weekends off. If if someone can post on weekends by like pre planning it, beautiful. The more you post, the better on your feed. I wouldn't say more than once a day is necessarily needed because then it's just also kind of overkill. And and, you know you want to be conscious of your time and when you're where you're spending your energy. In terms of the Instagram feed. I think like three to five different slides on your Instagram, I'm sorry, Instagram stories is perfect. So I like to do between three to five per day, but I do it like once per day. I don't like to take a photo and then share it and then two hours later take another photo and then share it on my story and then three hours later have something else come up and share it on my story if I have things going on I'll snap the photo and save it on my camera roll and then once per day for maybe like 30 minutes to 45 minutes at absolute max I'll actually take those photos and put them on my stories so it may be from different times in the day but I'm not actually posting it and putting it all together and adding like the words and the music or anything else other than like 30 to 45 minutes per day. So what I shared in Carrie's group um, was this method of how to do that. So I like to start with social proof. So that DM, that review, that comment, that email, take a screenshot and share that on your Instagram story. Then I like to educate. So this is where we as individuals, as the brand behind the business, actually show up on camera on our stories for maybe, you know, a quick clip of just talking about that particular product or reminding people of the store or what you got in stock or anything to educate people and then I like to lead into the sale or lead into the action that you want them to take so then you can have like a photo of the store or a photo of something and say come on in we're open until 6 p.m today here's the address so that would essentially be three to four photos or potential mini videos on your stories and that's perfect we don't need to have like 20 of them and I do find that the more stories you have people start to kind of drop off a little bit so three to five stories. Um, every day is perfect, especially the days that the store is open for sure. I mean, if you're closed on Mondays or something, I wouldn't really spend too much time worrying about that, but then posting on your feed, um, every day, Monday through Friday is, is a perfect, perfect balance there too. I'm a big believer just that, um, showing up consistently. I know sometimes that is a little scary for people too, but yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things that we have to do. Um, and it's just the name of the game. And as you start to do it, it gets easier and easier. So that's the good, part. Um, but yeah, just showing up consistently to the best of your ability is, is the advice that I would give for sure.
0: So, um, two things, what does working with you as a coach look like?
1: Yeah, so I help handmade product business owners. So people who have handmade jewelry, skincare, candles, art, things like that. I have a couple of different programs. Um, I have an Etsy course. So this is specifically on how to get your product seen on Etsy. And I have a free Etsy training that I have on Instagram. And then I have a program called Product Biz Academy, which is a six month group coaching program. So that's like A to Z, how to grow and scale a product business. I do talk a lot about social media in there as well. Um, so those are my two offerings that I have right now that I love to work with people on.
0: And talk to us a little bit about your podcast.
1: Oh, yeah. So my podcast is called The Product Biz Podcast. So this is a podcast for handmade small business owners. I do have about a 50-50 split in terms of like mindset, overcoming the fear of failure, overcoming the fear of judgment, things like that. And then I also have um, a lot of content just in terms of like how to actually grow your business, what tips and tricks, what you should focus on, what you should do next, how to really prioritize your time. So that is is um, The Product Biz Podcast.
0: So tell everyone where they can find you, as well as how they can um, grab your uh, journal.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. So Instagram, like I mentioned, is is mostly where I hang out. My Instagram handle is Monica Little Coaching, and then the Grounded, Grateful, and Growing Journal. I have a link in my bio that you can find it. I sell it on Etsy. So we'll have a link in it too. there. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes, um, and you can grab your copy if you're interested.
0: Thank you so much for your time today. I so appreciate I love, I like I said, it was so great to hear what you said. And I felt like it was more the psychology versus the analytic, which I think a lot of people talk about the analytic. But I think that the psychology that, you know, everybody feels and, you know, the fear of getting on, on a camera and going live and feeling like it needs to be perfect. And it's like, nothing's ever going to be perfect. Just go yes, for it.
1: 100%.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And that is a wrap. The Retail Horror Podcast is produced by myself, Michelle Sherrier, and Catherine Kalou. Our website, where you can find all of our episodes, can be found at www.theretailhorrorpodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at Podcast.